guys. Welcome back to the Miss Independent Podcast, where we teach women to be more financially literate, independent, and go further in their careers. For today's episode, I'm going to be chatting about supply chain issues because as I've been buying things online, and this has actually been happening pretty much since May, I've been getting out-of-stock banners consistently and estimated shipping in February. Please enter your email address to stay updated texts on product listings, and frankly, I'm sick of it. And I know we've all seen the memes, maybe you've even read an article or two, so you kind of know what's happening, especially with everyone telling you there are supply chain issues and telling you to shop local. But today I want to break down exactly what's happening and how this affects you as a consumer. And I'm all for shopping local. Absolutely, that is the way to go this holiday season. But if you're looking for things like tech or a TV, chances are that's coming from Asia and that's not being produced in North America. So in this episode, I'm going to break down what a supply chain is, at what points the issues are wrecking havoc for us all, and how to pivot if you've been affected. So I sure as hell have, especially with the renos. Lord knows that was a mess. So happy it's over and done with. And uh, that was probably one of the the biggest um, points of impact for me, was just dealing with the renovations and consistently seeing out-of-stock messages. But First off, before we get into all of that, I want to break down what a supply chain is. And essentially, it's a network between a company and its suppliers to produce and distribute a specific product to the final consumer. Service-oriented businesses aren't affected because the service is the product itself, unless they have some sort of ancillary products, like a yoga studio, for example, might not be affected unless they have yoga mats that they rent out and they needed to order more in the production is delayed. So service-based businesses aren't affected. But the supply chain has a lot of steps along the way to bring the product to a consumer. And the reason I'm talking about this today is because after running an e-commerce product-based business, I have kind of like a bird's eye view into the whole process. I have a supply chain for my business. I bring inventory from my manufacturers in China over in containers to my warehouse in Delaware. And I have some manufacturers in the U.S., And these guys weren't as affected unless there were certain ingredients or things that they needed, but mainly um, the supply chain issues are coming from overseas. And anything that's coming from overseas, specifically in the Asian markets, is going to be majorly affected by this. So what happens is anything that comes from overseas comes in massive transport vehicles across the ocean, and then it comes through to the port. Usually it comes in to either Vancouver or LA. And then you have a freight forwarder, or I have a freight forwarder, who then forwards the container of goods to the warehouse. And I'll walk you through all of these points. But when I first started noticing the effects of the supply chain was in December of 2019. And that was before we even knew what COVID was. So entrepreneurs that were shipping goods from China knew what was going on. Factories in China started shutting down because manufacturing workers started to get sick. They had really strict curfews once they figured out that this was coronavirus and manufacturing facilities actually weren't allowed to stay open. So similarly to how we had all businesses that were non-essential mandated to close, same thing happened in China in very early 2020. Even 2019, it started to, to trickle in. Shipping prices started to increase like crazy around then as well. And what was happening is there, there was a significant delay on goods that were being manufactured. So before the rest of the world knew what COVID was, businesses were feeling the effects. And the reason why is the manufacturing space specifically, there was a delay in raw materials that were being built. So that's what happened in 
early 2020. But what's happening now is it's all a residual effect of what happened in the past. Everything is kind of interconnected, especially along the supply chain. There's so many points that are involved in bringing goods to the consumer that you don't see on a day-to-day basis. So I want to break down what those are so you guys have some insight. And if you ever wanted to start a business and bring goods um, across across to new markets as well, you're going to be learning about this process as well. So the supply chain issues that we're seeing now are happening at pretty much every point in this chain. The chain is just broken. And the crazy thing about the world is how interconnected it is and how one thing like somebody accidentally, um, you know, eating a bat trickled into this pandemic or so supposedly. So we've really gotten to see how interconnected the world is and how globalization has truly impacted us. So if we look at what's driving this, if we look at what's driving the supply chain issues and you look at it from an economic lens, the big thing is that people's demands have changed and the way that we consume products as a society has radically shifted. E-commerce grew 10 times in 2020, 10 times. If you think about your grandmother and your grandparents who back in the day would like love to go to a grocery store, they'd go in person and pick out goods. They were ordering things online that they never had before. So the rate at which commerce expanded, the rate at which our consumer preferences changed was exponential. And what, what happened is during the pandemic, a lot of people were at home and they were saving. So the national savings rate in Canada was just over 28%. Canadians saved over $90 billion collectively, just to put into perspective. And normally, the year before the pandemic, 2019, the regular savings rate for the average Canadian was about 3.6% of their annual income. So this is a huge jump, right? People are going from saving 3% of their income to close to 30. And ideally, that's what the level should be at. But, you know, life is expensive and people do prioritize other things. So during the pandemic, we had government stimulus that was flowing and people really had nowhere to go and nothing to spend money on. And rather, the things that we were spending money on changed, right? People were building home gyms. People were baking um, baking banana bread and sourdough at rates that we've never seen. And actually, funny story, one of my business partners um, from an earlier warehouse, I, I no longer work with this person, but they, they had a warehouse in Georgia. And I had a call with him and he's like, Nicole, you need to be buying yeast right now. That is the biggest tip that I can give you. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay, um, I'm not in the business of yeast. So what? Like, great. Thank you for this business tip. But it's not the field that I'm in. And he looks at me. He's like, Nicole, I made 200 grand, 200K, 200,000 American dollars reselling yeast on Amazon in the past week. So there's a lesson there. I missed out on the yeast boom of 2020. Hopefully I'm on the lookout for more opportunities like that, but I guess everything is an opportunity cost. So I'm so happy for him that he was able to catch that market trend and and ride it. But I'm sure um, after all of this ended, he was probably stuck with so much unwanted inventory of yeast that people just weren't buying at the same rates as before. But anyways, that just goes to show demand for certain goods skyrocketed. And what what's happening now is demand for goods in general is skyrocketed, right? Especially it being Q4. So if we look at 2019 and what had happened was factories started closing down. It was taking longer to manufacture goods. Then we have this massive pandemic where people are 
needing PPE in order to protect themselves. Things like masks, sanitizer, all of these medical products that we need now and still use day to day, a lot of these were being produced in China at record rates and being shipped all across the world. So what happens when, when, when that was all transpiring is the shipping companies were prioritizing sending their containers to all of these different markets that need PPE. So normally, a majority of the containers that come from China are shipped throughout the major ports in China and, and shipped to the largest markets. And that would be like North America or Europe, because these are the markets that consume the most amount of, uh, of consumer goods. So now what China is doing is they're sending these containers to new markets like West Africa, East Africa, India, places that beforehand they wouldn't have necessarily sent out goods at that rate. And the way that the shipping industries work, and these guys made so much money off of the pandemic, and especially now that there are all of these supply chain issues, they are going to be booming. So I was actually looking at a company, Maersk, um, which is a major shipping company based out of Denmark, and a very, very interesting company. If you are somebody that invests in industries that you think are going to be profitable and solely invest based off of that criteria, those are some companies that you might want to look into. Because the demand for goods has skyrocketed and it's not going to subside anytime soon. Consumer trends aren't going to change in the, in the foreseeable future. Long term, things definitely might look different. But short term, we know that people want things. So when China was sending all of these containers out with PPE, the way that the routes normally work is they load them back up with goods that that, that country exports and the container gets shipped back. And they normally don't ship back empty containers because if you think about it, that is a waste of, of fuel for a cargo ship, a massive cargo ship to go and collect empty containers. So these containers were spread out all over the world and not being brought back into China at the same rate. So here's where this all kind of kickstarts. People now are going back to work, which means demand for fast fashion has increased substantially because y'all got to look cute for when you go into the office and trends in fashion change quick, especially with Instagram constantly showing you outfit haul reels and people spending. And the demand is what's driving this. So arguably that's a good thing because it means that people are out there spending and stimulating the economy. But if I'm Zara and I'm getting more traffic to my site than ever before, if I'm a buyer for them, let's say, I need to be on the hunt for trends six months out because that's roughly how long it takes for the goods to land. It takes months for the goods to be manufactured and then shipping. I'll walk through how long all of that takes as well. But then you throw in elements like TikTok and people just being home consuming content, people being home consuming content at rates like we've never had before. So let's say white strappy tops go viral on TikTok which, you know, to be fair, they probably have. And if I'm a buyer, I'm going to go to my manufacturers. I'm going to go to my suppliers and say, I need 10,000 white shirts ASAP. But like, I needed them yesterday. Because if something pops off on TikTok, you know, it's, it's going to die down. So you want to catch that trend. You want to capture that audience. So what Zara is going to do, my company Zara is going to do, is they're going to get their suppliers to start making these white strappy tops at record speeds. 
that's going to take at least a couple weeks, especially if they're, they're making them in large quantities. And then they're going to reach out to a shipping company like Costco or CMA or Evergreen. If you've ever been in a car trying to cross the street when there's a railroad that passes through it, you know how annoying it, it is to wait for a freight train to pass by. But those big boxes that you see on freight trains, those are called containers. So when I was talking about containers before, I want you to visualize that. They come in all different colors. Usually they're 40 feet in length, about eight foot tall, six foot wide, and they're all over the world. So Zara is going to reach out to the Chinese shipping company and they're going to be like, yo, so these, I mean, they probably won't say that, but they'll be like, these, these TikTok girls are going crazy over white strappy shirts. We got to get them into our stores and the warehouse in the U.S. needs them ASAP. Can you ship them overseas? And the shipping companies know that Zara stands to make a massive amount of money off of these white tops because, you know, they're probably not employing uh, a living wage rate for for their team. And they're going to charge something like $40 for a shirt that costs them maybe 30 cents to make. And if you multiply that by 10,000 units, they're going to sell out in a week. So shipping company goes, you know, sure, no problem. But H&M, Pretty Little Things, Revolve, Aritzia, they're all trying to get shipments out at the same time. So yeah, I can ship them for you if you're willing to pay more. And because demand for goods is so high, shipping costs have gone through the roof. So I've seen this firsthand where a container used to cost me about 6,000 Canadian to ship to Vancouver or to the port of Los Angeles. Now it costs just about 30,000 for the same volume of goods shipped. So just take that in for a second. The shipping costs have gone from 6,000 to 30,000. And you know, Zara is probably like, fine, I'll pay 30K. And because they know that they stand to make quite a bit of money off of this. So now that they've agreed, that sets the bar. Because that's the price that something is, is worth, right? If you look at NFTs, the price of something is whatever someone else is willing to pay for it. And that's why NFTs are selling for obscene amounts, because the price floor is set by somebody else who's willing to pay. So what happens next? These white tops get put onto a shipping vessel, like one of those massive boats. Actually, let's backtrack. So not only is Zara paying 30000 for the shipping container, all of these shipping containers that have been all over the world are now slowly being sent back. So now there's a delay in the port that's leaving China with, the, with these containers because there's not enough of them for this massive increase of goods. And manufacturers like Zara are trying to stay ahead of all of these, these delays. So they're manufacturing goods at a much faster capacity and they're making a lot more. So they're trying to hold on to their inventory, even if they don't even have space for it. So they're trying to think months ahead. So what happens next is Zara is going to negotiate space for their shipping container. Here's a scenario, again, where small companies are going to be at a disadvantage because the big companies like Zara are willing and able to pay 30000 for a container, whereas a smaller manufacturer of goods 
might not be willing or able to factor that increase into their profit margin. And the whole point of a business is to be profitable, right? To generate profit. So companies, like if if you have a business, it's not in your best interest to take a, a loss on a product. So that's why this is going to be very dangerous. And that's why coming back to the consumer, prices are going to increase a little bit. And that's why, you know, when people say inflation, I mean, this is something that's influencing inflation because that price increase of the cost of a container of the increased cost of shipping is now coming back to the consumer because companies aren't going to be absorbing that cost. Why would I want to make less profit? So Zara finally negotiates space and is able to get their white tops on a container, I'm sorry, get their white tops into a container and put onto a shipping vessel. And I don't know if you've ever seen a shipping vessel. When I was in Miami a couple years ago, I was on a speedboat and we got pretty close to one when we were in the water. And these things are massive. Like there are containers that are stacked so far in the sky that you can barely see the end of them. Truly, it's it's a magnificent sight. And like anybody that knows me, I always say find someone who has a bigger love affair with shipping containers and shipping vessels than me. Because to me, they represent commerce and progress and just a web of business. And I, I love seeing it. And I think back to like the 1800s where people didn't even have 1% of the goods that we have now that make our lives truly so incredible. But as a culture, definitely changed a little bit since then. Anyways, back to the boats. Once the shipping containers get on the vessel, it usually takes 15 to 30 days for the cargo vessel to cross the Pacific. And once it gets across, it gets to a port where the goods are taken off the boat, submitted to customs to make sure people aren't sending drugs and illicit substances into the country, and then they get distributed to where they need to go. And the biggest port in the U.S. is the Port of Los Angeles, Long Beach. And that's what's causing the delays as of right now. So at the time that I'm recording this, it's November 19th, there are 83 vessels that are there right now. So if there are 83 vessels that are waiting to dock, and each one, I, I've done some research, the largest ships right now can carry about 24,000 containers on board. And they're getting bigger and bigger every year. These are the same kind of ships that got stuck in the Suez Canal earlier this year. So if there are 83 vessels and each one of them can carry just about 24,000 containers, the total number of containers that this port needs to unload is 1.9 million. So take that in. 1.9 million containers, 40-foot containers carrying consumer goods are stuck at the port of Long Beach in LA. Just just blows my mind. And the delays right now, they're reaching about 17 days for these ships to be offloaded. It's, it's just madness. The wait time, the average wait time is going to be double what it was two months ago. So once the goods come off of the vessel, then they need to get loaded onto a freight train because a lot of the goods aren't... Um, it's not efficient for them to be transported via trucks. If they're going across the country, if they're going into the middle of the U.S. or mid-Canada, they're going to be loaded onto a train, a freight train. So in Canada, what we're seeing is that warehouse space in the Vancouver area is filling up really quickly. 
because transport trains aren't able to pick up the inventory in time. In Alberta and in BC, there were extreme floods and mudslides that would happen as of this Sunday. So uh, today is November 19th, just earlier this week. And that closed all the major highways that connect BC to Alberta. So already is a supply chain under significant pressure. There's 83 vessels in the largest port, even though it's operating 24-7. Actually, Biden made a change into how that uh, that port's being operated and mandated that it operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Still, we're going to see massive delays with goods being offloaded. But now also in Canada, the freight trains aren't able to pick up containers in time. And freight trains also aren't able to carry as many goods as as some of these massive cargo ships. So there's also a backlog there in terms of how much freight is being loaded onto the train. So that's that's where we're seeing some issues as well with goods actually moving across the country. And then what happens is once they move across the country, then to get to their designated warehouse, the smaller containers, the containers need to be picked up by a truck and brought over to a warehouse. Another point along the supply chain where we're seeing issues is there is a massive shortage of truck drivers, right? Nowadays, parents don't enforce onto their children. Like back in the day, being a truck driver used to be considered a very, very great position. You, although it was long, grueling hours and you were sitting all day, they were still making quite a bit. And to this day, truck drivers, especially if you own your own truck, if you're an owner operator, you can make quite a bit of money, but it's a grueling, it's a grueling job. Right? It's not as pleasant. You're, you're basically sitting the whole day. And it's tough. And with vaccine mandates for truck drivers, that they're supposed to be discussed, whether or not truck drivers need to be vaccinated, if they're going cross-border, all of these different issues are causing a shortage in truck drivers. And we've seen a decline over the past 10 years of fewer and fewer people entering this industry. So there's not enough people to actually bring the goods to the warehouses. And then at the warehouses... We're also seeing not enough people wanting to work in a warehouse setting, right? If you look at Amazon, Amazon has been struggling to find warehouse workers. If I look at like some of the companies that I connect with at work, my day-to-day job, I work with companies all across Canada and I help them uh, with their hiring strategy in order to recruit the right people. So I help them with their online presence in order to attract talent. And I've, I've seen... A lot of these companies struggle, mainly because of government payouts. But just in general, if you think about uh, as our population matures and intellectually matures, more and more people are going to university. As of this year, not the case. Fewer people are actually going to university, enrolling in university than before. But in general, the trend is that more and more people are getting educated. And so fewer people want to go into warehouse roles and very heavy manual labor type positions. So we're seeing a shortage of workers People are demanding higher wages and companies, especially smaller warehouses, can't always compete, right? Again, it all comes back to profit. And as a company, why would you want to make less profit than you were the year before? So it's an interesting conversation to have. But basically, if you're thinking about this, and and I've kind of visualized what this whole situation looks like, it's a mess, At every point along the chain, there's issues, right? We're seeing delays of goods leaving China. We're seeing massive backlogs of containers coming off of 
um, off of cargo vessels. We're seeing massive backlogs of these containers being loaded onto freight trains and then massive backlogs of trucks picking up the containers and then not enough workers to actually distribute them within warehouses. So all in all, the situation is pretty bad. And I don't think it's going to get better overnight. It definitely is not. It's going to take months for this to happen. But the good news is people's confidence is high. People are spending money and that's stimulating the economy. So how as a consumer, after learning all of this, is this going to impact you? Well, one, before we talk about as a consumer, put your investor hat on. Where are there opportunities for you as an investor to find value where others don't? Well, if you see what's going on, if you look at NVIDIA, for example, which produces microchips, there's been a massive shortage of microchips because of the metals that are required because of production capacity, because of shipping. So that is a very interesting space to be invested in. And, you know, the, it might even be a little bit too late as more and more people are aware of what's going on. I always say you want to buy the rumors and sell the news. As soon as something has been mainstream, as soon as it's talked about in the news, it's you're not as likely to time the market. In fact, timing the market is very complicated. And that's why I always talk about having a more long-term approach. But these shipping companies are making massive amounts of money. So definitely something that I would do some research on. But back to NVIDIA for a second. So these chips, not just NVIDIA's chips, but microchips in general are used in so many different industries, right? Mainly used cars. And we talked about this on our Instagram story why used car prices have gone up like 70%. It's because they're required in vehicles. And so there's a shortage of product and a massive increase in demand. And whenever that happens, prices surge. As a consumer, how you can get around to this is one thing that you've been hearing quite a bit is buying local. Well, why that's more important than ever is because a lot of the raw materials that are required to put together goods are being brought over from China and there's a delay and there's a delay in how they're coming off of the ships. And when I was doing my renos, for example, all of this has been happening from a while back. Now it's just, it's kind of like a massive bottleneck because Q4 spending increases so much and demand for goods increases like crazy throughout Q4. So if we go back to like my renos, I was buying kitchen cabinets from Ikea. I needed to complete, I built three kitchens. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I just did a massive renovation to one of my properties. And you can listen to the last episode where I talk about this in detail. It's called How to Live in Your House for Free. But what happened was I was building kitchens and I wanted to, because it's a rental, um, needed to keep costs low. So all of my units, the kitchens are from Ikea. And there were massive delays in Ikea's own supply chain. Some of their cabinets, they didn't have the wood necessary. First of all, there was a shortage of lumber. First of all, demand skyrocketed with people doing renovations. So the prices of lumber went up substantially. Now it's subsided because demands kind of dropped down a little bit. And IKEA was impacted by all of these issues. They were shipping in their cabinet doors all the way from China and wherever in the world they're, they're manufactured. And so they, they just weren't available in the store. So I had to go with other cabinets. And there's been so many instances like that throughout the renovation that I've incurred issues. So what I started to do is I started to look at 
suppliers locally that had the same quality of goods. And the challenge that I found, again, with keeping my costs low is that budget was very, very prohibitive for me. And I couldn't go with a local manufacturer for cabinets, for example, because they would have been three times the price. So I had to settle for a product that I probably wouldn't have bought otherwise. Like I went with the most basic Hagabee white cabinets. Probably would have gone with something a little more fancy had I had the option. But again, because cost prohibitive, I had to stick with the cheaper option. And that's, again, that's just one example. But as a consumer, that's why shopping local is so important this holiday season. I'm going to do a whole episode on how to approach this holiday because it's going to be very different from what you've expected ever before. And trying to do some shopping ahead of time is going to be key because there are going to be issues. There's going to be things that are stocked out. I'm trying to buy a Dyson Airwrap right now and it's been stocked out. Like I just, I can't find it anywhere. So if there are things that you want to buy, keep an eye out for that. Start ahead of time and put your investor hat on. Look for opportunities like this along the supply chain where you can make a little bit of money. That's all for today, guys. I know it was a solo episode, so <laughs> if you've stuck around this long, thanks for, for being here. Thanks for listening. We've got some really exciting updates coming for you guys soon in the next couple of days. So I'm excited for you to hear that. It's going to come out soon, but got a lot on tap. Stay tuned and we'll see you guys next week.